And for, for, for those who don't, we still honor them, right? We think about them and uh, we, we, we just, we're thankful for them. Amen? Amen? So happy Mother's Day. I'll invite you to open the, uh, a copy of the Word of God to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. We're starting our series on the, uh, on the book of Ephesians. And just let me tell you to start, it's, uh, <clears throat> somebody said, after starting the first chapter of this book, after preaching uh, this chapter in, in, in Ephesians, we have to preach a, a chapter, uh, we have to preach a sermon on humility. Because there's so much riches that we have in here. There's so much that Christ has done for us that it's, uh, it's, it's just mind-boggling that, that what, what he has done for us. So we're hoping that we could, uh, that we could uh, speak with clarity to what, has, to what Christ has done for us. And uh, uh, um, we're going to see the incredible riches that we have in Christ. This book tells, uh, tells Christians of their great riches. It tells Christians of their inheritance. It tells of the fullness in Jesus Christ and in his church. It is, a, it is a letter about riches, nothing but riches, nothing but riches. Uh, some people have called this the believers, the believers' um, house of the, the treasure house of the believer. The treasure house of the believer because of the great riches that we find in, in this book. And I'll give you an example. In verses uh, 7 in the first chapter, Paul talks about the, the, the riches of his grace. In chapter 3, verse 8, the unsearchable riches of Christ. In chapter 3, uh, verse 16, the riches of his glory. So you can see it's amazing riches, right? Together with that, together with that, uh, in just this first chapter, we find, we find volumes of theology, volumes of theology. In verses 3 to 14, we have the doctrine of election, of, of election, uh, uh, the doctrine of predestination, the doctrine of redemption, the doctrine of adoption, the doctrine of the sovereignty of God, and also, and also the main theme, the main theme of this book is the doctrine of the church. And I would recommend every believer, every believer, if they have not studied this book, it is very important for the life of the believer and to know and to know what is the church. Because it tells us all in here how the church came to be in the death of Christ, how it was formed, how the church was formed, and how it is to function. And I wish we could... Um, Amazing truths, and I wish we could. Uh, I wish we could go verse by verse, because it's so much in here, so much richness. So, but we're going to do half of the chapter, and next week we're going to do another half of the chapter. So I want you to listen fast. <laughs> I will speak slow, and you will listen fast. Amen. Amen. For this morning which is going to talk about the, uh, the, the sovereignty of God in our salvation, the sovereignty of God in our salvation or our great salvation, because indeed it's a great salvation. Now, above everything, above everything, we are grateful, for, for, uh, grateful to God for our, our salvation. 
nothing else, nothing else would matter if this wasn't true. Nothing. Mark tells us that uh, what, does it, what does it profit a man if he gains the world and loses his soul? Absolutely nothing. So we should be thankful for this, uh, for this salvation that we have. And I believe we would all affirm that our salvation is fully, fully the work of God and that he is worthy of all the praise that he deserves because he, has the, he is the one that has provided this salvation. We could say that salvation, salvation is orig- it originates with God and is given freely to us. It is given freely to us. And it's all God's work and all the glory, all the glory belongs to him. Now we have this, it's a lengthy passage that we have right here in verses 3. We're going to read it in a minute uh, uh, from verses 3 to 14. And you will see that as the Apostle Paul starts to write this or, or, or uh, discuss this, he's overwhelmed. He's overwhelmed. And out of here is going to come out the passion, the passion of his heart, the overflow of his heart. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. And he hasn't even begun his discussion, and he bursts with praise for what God has done. Overwhelmed by the salvation of God, he barely takes a breath. He barely takes a breath. Because this section from verse 3 to 14 in the original is one 202-word sentence. You get that? 202-word sentence. And that's because the apostle could not contain himself. He could not contain himself. And so let's read it so we could see. Amen? And we're going to skip the greeting, which is verses 1 through 1 1 and 2, 3 to 14. It says, Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which, 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 with, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to the purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things things in heaven and things on earth, in him. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who, <clears throat> so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise of Holy Spirit with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the acquired possession of it to the praise of his glory. And that's our passage, and it's a wonderful passage. It's a wonderful passage. And the idea, the, 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 the idea of this section is that, is that God has brought about our salvation by his own will, by his own purpose, by his own design, and for the praise and glory of his name. 
In verses 5 and 9 and 11, salvation is ascribed to his will. Verses 6 and 7 is ascribed to his grace. Verse 7, to his blood. Verse 4, to his love. Verse 9, to his good intention. Verse 11, to his purpose. Verses 12 to 14, to the praise of his glory. So you see, it's all him. It's all him. Salvation is not a result of the will of man. Salvation is not the result of a merit of man. It's not the result of a religious uh, a sacrifice on man's part. It is not a result of the good intention of man. It's not the result of purpose of man. It's not for the praise and glory of man. It is not. Every aspect of salvation comes out or it is born. It's born out of the purpose, the will, the design, and the plan of God. All of it. So that when it's said and done, when everything is accomplished, everything is accomplished solidly and only will be to the praise and glory of God. And we give him the praise for that. And God has saved us in order that he may be glorified. <clears throat> and therefore, all of our salvation belongs, all of the credit belongs to him. Amen? Now, having said that, having said that all of it belongs to God, that salvation is a work of God, you'll notice that that work of our salvation is mediated through Christ. Mediated through Christ. From, from, from our, the verse 4, 4 to 13 all of these verses tell us that it is through him, through Christ, and nothing but through Christ. It is wholly the work of God, but through Christ. It's through Christ that is wrought and also with the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 tells us that we have been sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given a pledge of our inheritance. You see that? The whole trinity is involved. Plan. Oh, sorry. I didn't close it. Sorry. <clears throat> it's the plan of God, the design of God, but mediated through Christ, mediated through Christ, and it is applied. That salvation is applied to us by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So it, it is a wonderful work. So God the Father gets the, gets the glory, God the Son gets the glory, and God the Holy Spirit gets the glory. And it's all Him. It's all him. Amen? And that's why Paul, that's why Paul, he starts this way. He starts in verse 3 and he says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And what here, when he's talking about spiritual blessings, is not just in the spiritual. It... It's the whole thing. It's not just the spiritual things, but it's also the everyday life things that is, is, is bring to us, our salvation brings to us. Amen? So Paul is saying, the one and only deserving all the credit is God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and we got to praise God for what he has done. Amen? Now, what has he done? What is this salvation all about? What he has done? Well... We're going to give you eight, and there's plenty. We were, we were studying on, on Friday, Friday the study, and in and, 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 and the study uh, it said that uh, we have 34,000 promises in the Bible for us. 
34,000 promises. That's a whole bunch of promises. But here, we're just going to see eight blessings, eight things that God has done for us. Number one, and we're going to go fast, so you got to listen fast, okay? we got to listen fast. I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Amen? First, he chose us, and you could see verse 4. He chose us, just as he, just as he chose us in him, meaning Christ, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless, blameless before him. He chose us. He chose us to be blame, blameless and holy in Christ. Amen? And, he, and, and listen to this. He chose us before the foundation of the world. Did you get that? No, no, no. Did you get that? He chose us before the foundation of the world. That, I want you to marinate on that for a little bit. Because that is an amazing truth. That is an amazing truth. Before everything and anything was created, he had chosen us already. That is a wonderful truth, amazing truth. Now, the, 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 the verb he chose us means to pick for oneself. And, and, and it's a reflexive verb, which means it turns back on the one who chooses. It turns back on the one who chooses. In other words, he chose us for his own sake. He chose us for, for himself Something very personal for him. Something very personal. And all of us who are saved, all of us who are saved, he chose us before the foundation of the world. Amazing. Again, before anything existed and before anything was created, he had already chosen us. And we don't see this just here. Scripture repeats that marvelous truth. In many places, like in Matthew 25, 34, it says, Come... Come you who are blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You see that? Now you notice, notice it says he chose us. We didn't choose Christ. We didn't choose Christ. He chose us. And it's not like some people say, some people say this, that God looked through the tunnel of time, God looked through the tunnel of time, to see who would choose him, and then in a reflexive manner, God then choose those, chose those who would have chosen him. Some people believe that, but that's not what Paul is saying here. And whoever thinks that, whoever thinks that way, has got a wrong view of God in two, in two, in, in two ways. Uh, they got a wrong view of God, and they, got, and they have a wrong view of man. Their theology is wrong, and their anthropology is wrong. <clears throat> First, you have a wrong view of God because he has never looked down the tunnel of time at any time to learn anything. He has not. God knows everything immediately, eternally, and completely. You get that? He knows everything immediately, eternally, and completely. God has never received a report, never received a report from, of anything that is going on here on earth. Absolutely nothing. His knowledge is infinite and perfect all the time. So no, God has never looked down the tunnel of time to see anything because he has already foreordained everything. Amen? And two, it's the wrong view of man because if just for the sake of argument, right, for the sake of argument, we say that, uh, that, that this is 
God just merely looking uh, through the tunnel of time and, and through centuries till now to see who would believe in Christ, all he would see is a, the whole world. All he would see is that all of us or no one would have chosen. No one would believe in his son. No one. And you know why? Because no man has the moral uh, ability, nor the capacity of will to choose or believe in Christ. No one. No man. Just one chapter ahead in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And it's a very clear picture of how of how man is before he's regenerated. Now the question comes, what can a dead man do? Everybody's seen, we've all seen dead people, right? At least on TV. But we all have seen someone dead. What can a dead man do? Nothing but stink. That is it. <laughs> nothing but stink. There's nothing else that he can do. So if God, if God was to look down the tunnel of time, he would have seen an entire world that is spiritually dead. Spiritually dead and unable to believe. Unable to believe in Christ, right? Our Lord said in, in John 6, no one can come to me except for the Father who sent him draws him. Amen? Now, listen, there is a difference. There, there is a difference between the word can and may. Can is a word of ability. May is a word of permission, right? May is a word of permission. Can is a word of, uh, of ability. And Jesus did not say, no one may come to, to me. And that's, it's far worse than that. Jesus said, no one can come to me except for the Father who sent him, draws him. And so man is, uh, is plagued by moral inability, a man is spiritually blind, spiritually dead. His will is crippled by the fall, crippled by the fall, and his power of choice in spiritual matters is paralyzed, is paralyzed completely by sin. And he's captive. He's a slave. He's a slave to sin. He's a slave to, uh, to the devil. He's a slave. His will is, is enslaved. So he cannot, he cannot react to anything spiritually unless the Father draws him. Amen. So we see this, uh, this doctrine of election as a doctrine of God's sovereign choice before, before time again. Uh, the, Lord, the, the Lord designed his kingdom from before the foundation of the world. And he designed all who would be in that kingdom. Amen? Before the foundation, of, before anything ever was, he had already designed who was going to be in that, in that king, kingdom. And all who we are saved, all who, who are saved, we know, the, the ones who know Jesus Christ, we are in there, right? We are in that, in that kingdom, and that is a privilege we have. The thing, brothers and sisters, is that we, we, hear, uh, we hear these truths, and, and I, I could see you guys. Because I could tell you these truths, and even for myself, I must have read this chapter I must have read this chapter around 20 times. And yet every time I read that, that I was chosen before the foundation of the world, I don't get it. I don't grasp it. 
and I could see all of you the same way. It's just something that we cannot comprehend with our finite minds. But I just want you to know that it's a precious truth and that it's a blessing that we are here today. And if you are a believer, you are privileged. And we should never take our salvation for granted. Never. Amen? <clears throat> what a privilege. What an incredible thought that this passage gave us. In Luke 12, 32, the Lord says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the, the kingdom. And again, the choice is always with God, right? Men don't choose God. God chooses men. God chooses men. <clears throat> he selects people to be made holy, to be with him forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I always say to myself, too, as I read all of this, why did he choose me? I don't know. But I'm so glad he did. I'm so glad he did. In John 6, 44, and I've already mentioned this to you. I mentioned this, uh, uh, this verse before, but it's worth mentioning again. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws, uh, draws him. And, and that word draws him is co to, to com compel, uh, pulls him, drags him. That's what, that's what the word means, right? In, in John 15, 16, again, our Lord tells the disciples, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So in the truest sense, brothers and sisters, in the truest sense, we didn't decide for Christ. He decided for us. I heard a brother say one time that this was the, the and I, not just him, I, 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 was coming, I was coming here and I was hearing somebody said, this is, the best, this is the best decision you ever made. Nah, we didn't make that decision. It was already made. <laughs> it was already made. We didn't make that decision. That is wrong. In Acts 13, 48, uh, we have this very interesting statement, and this is Paul and Barnabas, they're, they're getting ready to preach, right? And it says, and when the Gentiles heard this, that is the gospel of salvation, they began rejoicing and glorifying of the word of God, and notice this, and as many as has been appointed to eternal life believed. You see that? So God only grants the gift of salvation, or, or rather faith, to those who are predestined for salvation. He chose us, uh, <clears throat> and to those he chose, to, to those he, he chose, he gives the power to believe. In 2 Thessalonians 2.13, 2 Timothy 1.9, we're not going to read those passages, just put them in your mind and then go over them, because it's important. But they tell us this wonderful reality too. <clears throat> we are chosen unto salvation. We are chosen to belong to him. And so when we look at our salvation, we should be like Paul. We should thank God and praise him for what he has done, for, for, that he chose us, right? And again, I, I don't understand this mystery. This is a, a great mystery. But this is what the Bible teaches. And, and, this, and this, doctrine, this doctrine of election is the most humbling, the most humbling doctrine in all of, all of Scripture, because all the glory goes to God, not us, not us. All salvation, it, it, it's a credit to Him. I take no credit, 
and even the credit again of my faith, it all comes from him, not from me. He chose me. He chose me. Hear this. He selected people to be made holy in order to be with him forever. Amen? Blessed be the Lord. And I am thankful that, that he chose me. And again, I, 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 I don't know why he chose me. I'm not better than anybody. I'm not better than anybody else. And it's a matter of fact, I am worse than many. But praise the Lord that he chose me. Praise the Lord that he chose me. I'm so thankful that he did. And he gets all the credit and all the glory. Second, he predestined us. Verse 5. Verse 5 says, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Do you hear that? That is amazing. His will, his intention, his purpose determined our destiny. His purpose, his will, his good intention determined our destiny. And what is predestination? What is predestination? Predestination, uh, it's, it's, uh, it means previously determine someone's destiny. To previously determine someone's destiny. And he did that, right? He chose us, and the purpose of his choosing was to set out our destiny. Right? A lot of times in the world they tell us, you are in control of your destiny, right? How many have heard that? We are in control of our destiny. Mm, not so much. <laughs> not so much. God is in control of our destiny. And the destiny, the destiny was to be that, that we would be adopted as, son, as, as sons. And that is incredible, brothers and sisters. He chose us for the purpose of determining our destiny to be children of God. To be children of God. John 1.12 says, to, to as many as receive them, he gives them power to become the children of God. And we are his children, right? Romans 8 tells us that we, 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 we call on him and we say, Abba, Father. You know what Abba, Father means? Daddy, daddy, and, and, and I'm a father, and, and, and I'm a father, right? But I don't, I, I don't think any, any, somebody's kid will call me daddy, right? It just, it just doesn't work that way, right? But we could call him daddy because he is our father, because he chose us. He predestined us to become his children, to become his children. That is amazing. Because we are sons, in Galatians 3.26, I was skipping this, Galatians 3.26 tells us the same thing, that we call him Abba Father, <clears throat> with his beloved son, uh, children. Uh, Galatians 4.6 says, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba Father, therefore, you no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. What a glorious reality. Heirs with Christ, right? You know what that means? Everything he has, we have. And, and again, I tell you this, <laughs> but I could see you. We just don't get it. Everything he has, we have. Who's the owner of this universe? The creator Christ. It's ours. I read one time of a, of a preacher standing on the Grand Canyon, standing next to another man, and he was just looking. He was just looking, and the guy tells him, isn't this amazing? And he tells him, yeah, and it all belongs to me. 
The guy looked at him and he said, yeah, this belongs to my father. <laughs> it belongs to me. He was right. He was right. So just so you could see, everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you. That's amazing. And we got to marinate in that for, for a little while too. <clears throat> okay. Third thing. God graces. He graced us. So we have the plan, the choice, the predestination, and all of that was activated through his grace. Verse 6. Verse 6. To the praise of, of the glory of, of, his, of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved one. That is Christ. Now, the question is, what is, what, is, uh, what is grace? What is grace? I think we all know what is grace, but I'm going to tell you anyway. It's undeserved favor, unearned blessing, unmerited goodness and kindness. Grace is giving something to someone or to us who don't deserve it at all. We don't deserve it at all. And that's the way we were saved. We were saved by grace, right? Uh, in the next chapter, chapter uh, 2, verse 8, it tells us, for, the grace, for by grace you were saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we have nothing to, uh, to boast about. It's all him. So you see all of salvation is, is of him. Uh, the grace is of him. Uh, the faith is of him. Even to believe, he grants us that to believe. Amen. And God graciously grants us to, to have that ability, to, even to believe, right? You don't deserve it, he gives it anyway. You can merit it, he gives it anyway. You can earn it, he gives it anyway. What a gracious God we have, don't we? Amen. That was, a, that was supposed to be an amen in there. Amen. 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 Romans 3.24 says, we are justified as a gift by grace. Grace, then, is the means by which he brought to pass his choice and his predetermined destiny, right? To make us his, to, to make us his, make us his children, to make us his children. Number four, notice what he did. He redeemed us. Verse seven, in him we have redemption through his blood. He redeemed us. And now the question comes to what, 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 does, um, what does it mean to be redeemed? And the Bible actually uses six terms of this, uh, uh, of the term redeemed, six. We're not going to see them all, but just let me tell you that every term points to Christ of this word. Six, six, six uh, terms in there. But what does uh, to be redeemed mean? And we're going to put it simple. It's just to buy back. Simple, to buy back. What did he buy us back from? Or what did, what did he do to buy us back well, I mentioned before, right? We were slaves to sin, slaves to death, slaves to health, to hell, uh, slaves to Satan, to his demons, slaves to the fallen flesh, slaves to the fallen world. We were slaves to all of that. And so we were there, enslaved by all of this. Uh, and we were there in the slave market. And our precious Lord came to the slave market and bought us. Amazing. We were worthless. We were vile. We were darkened, hopeless, with minds that could not hear this. Minds that could never have known God. 
hearts that could have never seek righteousness. And all of our desire, all of our desire was evil. And all of our desires was, was lust. And we were unworthy. And our precious Lord came and bought us and freed us from all of that. Amen. But why? But why? Because he chose us. Because he predestined us. Because he graced us. Praise the Lord. And again, we should always ask ourselves, because we all know each other. We, know, we all know ourselves, right? I mean, uh, we all know who we are. And, and, uh, and, and the deepest corner of our heart, we know who we are, right? There's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know about us. But he knows them. And yet he chose you. And yet he chose you. Amen? And yet he predestined you. And that, and, and he graced you in spite of all of that. And that's why I say all the time, I ask myself, why? Why? Why me? Why me? I don't know. He just did. And I'm so thankful again. And that was his will, his purpose, and his good, and out of his good pleasure. Amen? So how, so how did he redeem us? How did he redeem us? Because that's what's next. It was through his blood. Uh, that's how he paid the price, through his blood. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death, right? So the price of redemption was death, death and bloodshed. Bloodshed. That's what the Bible tells us. But he paid the price. Uh, and it wasn't easy to pay the price. It was not easy to pay the price. He had to come and take on a human form. He had to come into this world, die on the cross, pour out his, his, his blood on, and on, as a sacrifice for sin. But he did pay the price. And he bought us back. And that's why his blood is so precious, isn't it? His blood is so precious. That's why Paul, uh, Peter tells us in Peter 1, 18, uh, 18 and 19, you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile ways of life, inherited from, inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Amen? Now, we got to read this passage too in, in, in Revelation because it's a wonderful passage. I didn't... Uh, I was not going to read it, but we have to read it because it's a beautiful passage. Uh, <clears throat> Revelation 9, uh, 5, 5, 9. And they sang a new song. Now, we're up there already. We're, we're up there, and we're singing this song. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were the... So, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest, a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on earth. That's us. That's us. Praise the Lord. And it was because of his blood. Of his precious blood. Amen. No wonder, no wonder everyone and all of the hosts of heaven are, are, are singing, right? They're praising him. His blood is precious. His blood is price, praiseworthy, right? <clears throat> and it was because of our redemption. He brought us out of the slave market to bring us into his holy presence. And we are no longer slaves. We're slaves to God now, right? We're slaves to God now. 
and once, once he brought us out of the slave market, he did something else. Fifthly, fifthly, and we're going to go fast. He forgave us, verse 7. <clears throat> it says, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. So he brought us out of the slave market and forgave us. In Matthew 26, 28, when the Lord was instituting, and this is what we always read when, when, when we take communion. When he, when he was instituting the, uh, the communion, this is what he said. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, you know, forgiveness, it's a beautiful word, right? Forgiveness is a beautiful word, especially when it comes from God. Because as humans and as humans and, and as, uh, uh, as people, we, 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 we forgive. Sometimes we forgive, right? But we always have that thing that, that, remem- that we remember what they did. And sometimes we people, I remember, but I don't forget, right? But God is not like us. God is not like us. You know what that word means? Ephemi. That's what the word means in, English, in, in Greek. Aphemi. And it means to send away, never to return. Do you get that? To send away, never to return. In other words, he removed our sin as far, as, as far from the east that is from the west. He buried them in the depths of the sea, and he remembers them no more. No more. And that's why the prophet Michael says, who is a pardoning God like you? No one. Paul tells us in Romans 1.8, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Amen? When he did that through his grace, through the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. That's wonderful. And it took a lot of grace. You know why he took a lot of grace? Because we had a lot of sin. Amen? We had a lot of sin. I did. According to the parable of uh, Matthew 18, listen to this, uh, how much of sin we had. According to the parable in Matthew 18, we had an unpayable debt. We had an an uncountable debt, indescribable debt. We owe all of our salvation to God because we we had a debt that we could not pay. We could not pay that debt, right? But he paid for it. He paid for it. He paid for it because he chose us, because he predestined us, and he redeemed us. He forgave us. And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful statement. And it was nothing for nothing that we did. We didn't do anything to deserve it, but he just did it. <coughs> Excuse me. And then even it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. <clears throat> Number six, uh, verse eight. He gives us wisdom and insight, right? Verse 8, I didn't write it down, so let's go back and read it. Verse 8, which he lavished upon us, it's a short verse, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So he, 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 he adopted us as sons, he, he forgave us, he gave us grace, he predestined us, he, he did all of that. 
right? And then beyond that, he gave us, he gave us wisdom and insight. In other words, he enlightened us. Uh, and that's what it says, right? In all wisdom and insight, <clears throat> and insight, he made, known, he made known to us the mystery of his will. So we got to see first wisdom because it's a wonderful word. The word is Sophia in, in Greek. In uh, wisdom, hear this. Wisdom is the understanding of the ultimate things. Is the understanding of ultimate things. Watch this. Like life, death, God, man, righteousness, sin, heaven, hell, eternity, time. He gave us the insight. He gave us the insight and the wisdom to all of that. And Paul here is talking about the wisdom concerning uh, the spiritual things, the things of, the things of God. Insight, phronesis, uh, <clears throat> and this word means, uh, it, it emphasizes some practical understanding, comprehension of the, of the needs, problems, and principles of everyday living. That's what the dictionary says. It's having spiritual judgment and handling of everyday or daily affairs. So you see, God did not only forgave us, uh, taking away our sin, and, and, and that sin that corrupts our, uh, and distorts our lives and in our minds, but he, all, he also gave us the necessary resources to understand him, to walk through this world day by day in the way that pleases him and in a way that we can obey him. Do you get that? that that's just Amazing. So we could say he graciously gave us his, these resources to understand his word and to know how to obey it. And he also, verse 9, he even gave us a view of an uh, administration suitable to the fullness of times. And another uh, version says that. That is the summing of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. So he told us everything about his will. He told us everything about his plans all the way till eternity. Do you understand that? We know how it's going to end. We know how everything is going to end because he has told us. He has told us. We have his word, right? <clears throat> and not only has he given us his word, but he gave us uh, also a resident, a resident teacher, which is, the which is the Holy Spirit. He gave us his Holy Spirit so that now we have the mind of God. Isn't that amazing? We have the mind of God. We are, are we blessed or what? We have the mind of God. And I'll tell you why that's incredible. I think we all know it. It's, just, it, 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 it's, it's not news how we see the world. How, how is it functioning? How is it uh, thinking, right? We have confusion about gender. We have confusion about everything. We have confusion. We have chaos. We have, we have confusion on moral issues, on ethical issues. From the top to the bottom, it's like the blind leading the blind. Indeed it is. But that's why when we read this, it's amazing. Because our God didn't leave us in the dark. He didn't leave us in the dark. We could see. We could see everything. Uh, we could see what the world doesn't see. We understand, understand what the world doesn't understand. We know what the world doesn't know. Don't we? There's no logic anymore in the world out there. 
There's no reason anymore. Everything is so ridiculous and so, it's just crazy, right? There's no logic anymore. But not us. Not us. Because we have, the mind of, we have the mind of Christ. We have his word. And the word gives us direction in everything. You want to know how to be a good parent? Book of Proverbs. You want to know how to be a good husband? Bible tells us how to be a good wife. Bible tells us how to be a good business owner. The Bible talks about that. Everything is in here. Everything. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And so he enlightened us to make known to us the mystery of his will according to his intention, to his kind intention we he purposed in him, he says. It was his plan. It was his pleasure, his joy. We may know all about him and all about his plan. Seven, he promised us an inheritance. Did you see everything? I mean, we've gone one by one, but it's just an inheritance. And I mentioned it to you before, right? But it's wonderful. He promised us an inheritance, verse 11, in him. In him. And at the end of verse 10, at the end of verse 10, it says, <clears throat> in him. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So he gave us an inheritance. So we have the, uh, the will, the purpose, the good intention, and the glory is to God and God alone. Amen. Everything is telling us that all the glory belongs to him. And he gave us an inheritance because he predestined us to be his children. And as his children, uh, we, we're going to receive this inheritance. I, I, mentioned it before, and that, that's a great thing. He promised an inheritance. P uh, Peter tells us about this inheritance, and he tells us uh, that, that, that that inheritance in, uh, I didn't write it down where he says that, but Peter tells us that anyway. Uh, it's undefiled, incorruptible, and it fades not away, and is reserved for us in, in the heaven in heaven for us. Amen? 2 Corinthians 1.20, Paul says, every promise in Christ is yours. Now, I just said to you when we started, 34,000 promises. And to every promise, what it says? Is yes. Is yes. <clears throat> Everything that he promises to us is yes. So, do we get peace? <laughs> do we get peace? Do we get love? Yes. Do we get strength? Yes. Do we get wisdom? Yes. Do we get knowledge? Yes. Do we get eternal life? Yes. Do we get reigning, ruling, and all of that? Yes, we do. Because every promise is yes and an amen. Do you see what we have in Christ? That's wonderful. And all the glory goes to him, right? Now, how secure is this inheritance? Number eight. He sealed us, verse 13, <clears throat> verse 13, in him you were also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with a promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until they acquire possession of it to the praise and his glory. Do you get that? Now the seal, sealing in the ancient times, 
it was a sign of ownership. It was a sign of security. It was a sign of authenticity. It was a sign of complete, complete transaction. And so when we were saved, he gave us, he gave his Holy Spirit, it indwells in us. He sealed us, right? He sealed, he, he sealed us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the believer, and in him is the sign that God has secured that believer. It's a sign that that believer is authentic. It's a sign that he has received a complete transaction. Everything, and that's why I tell you, right, that in that inheritance, in that inheritance, everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you, belongs to us. Amen? So it's a complete transaction. Now, I've mentioned uh, all of these blessings, right, that we have in Christ, and we, there's many, plenty more, right? But the thing is that we're still here. We're still here, and, and we probably, as I see you guys, and something, you, you know, I, I, I often tell my congregation, I'm, I'm looking at you guys, but you guys are looking at me like deer, with, with, like, you know? Because at times we have these blessings. We have these wonderful blessings, right? And we cannot, we cannot get this. We cannot get this. And we go through life, and then we have, we have doubts. We have problems. Many things come to our lives, and we said, what about all these promises? What about all these promises? Right? But they're there. And next, week, and next week, we're going to talk about that. I don't want to get ahead of myself for next week. But next week, we're going to talk about what's our problem that we cannot get these promises. We, can, we don't appropriate these promises. But they're there, and they're ours. So there's times in our lives that we come with doubts, and we come with all of this situation, and we say, I don't see any of this. But they're there. <clears throat> They're there. Our salvation is complete. Our salvation is complete, and it's, it's complete in Christ, and it's complete because we have, uh, we have this redemption in Christ. We've been adopted. We've been chosen. He gives us the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit is the ceiling, is the, is the guaranteed that all of this will be accomplished. Now, some of the things that I've mentioned to you, some of them, we're still going to go through this life. We're still going to have a hard time. We're still going to go through trials, right? But it's just for a little while. It's just for a little while. And we could go through other verses, but we'll finish it right here, right? We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through tribulation. We're going to go through hard times. But we got to hang on to these promises, and these promises are the ones that should make us keep going because of everything that we have in Christ. Now, say, say all of that, right? Because we said that everything belongs to Christ. Everything, I mean, all the old salvation is of, is of him, right? Everything, everything. What about us? What do, do, we, do we do anything? Do we do anything? Well, we do. Verses, just so we can finish, verses 12, to 12 and 13 mentions two things that we do. Verse 12, it tells us that we are the first, the first to hope in Christ. Verse 13 tells us that after we have, we, we've heard the message of the gospel, we believed. So we hope in Christ and we believe in the gospel. That's our part. Well, but I thought I told you that it was nothing of us, even the believing was of his. Well, yes, but this is our response to the work of God. 
we hope and we believe is just a response. But everything, the whole aspect of salvation belongs to God. Belongs to God, right? And again, we got to read that verse, uh, verse uh, 8, uh, chapter 2. For by grace you were saved through faith. And even that is not of yourself, it says, but is the gift of God. So it is God that gives the power to, uh, uh, that we hope in Christ. And it is God who gives the, the ears to hear the message, to hear the message of the gospel, and to believe, to have faith. Amen? So all of it is energized through the Holy Spirit. All of it. It's all Him. Can we, thank him, can we thank him enough? Much to thank, brothers and sisters. Much to thank. Much to thank. And much to uh, see our salvation and live. Live worthy of this call. You get that? Because at times we, we don't work, walk worthy of the salvation that God has given us. And we should be thankful. We should be thankful that we could say what Paul said in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. The blessings belong to him, the glory belongs to him, and the praise belongs to him. Amen? Amen. By your heads. Oh, precious Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. There's not enough thank yous that we could give you for all you've done for us. And we know, and you know, that we don't see it at times. And at times there's so much familiarity with all of this, Lord, that it just breathes contempt. And it's, it's something like we hear and it comes in through one ear and it goes through the other. But help us. Help us to retain your word in our mind and in our heart. Help us, Lord. That it may not be just information in our brains. So that we walk in life, as we face the trials, as we face the problems, Lord that we could always come back and praise you and thank you regardless because of what you have done for us. Help us to live in the light of that. Always. Always, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Thank you.